Hello, and welcome to Hey What You Watchin'. Um, I am your co-host, Marcelo Pico, and with me, as always, is your other co-host. Hey, Matt. This, this is reversed, and I'm very confused. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> I, I, I I told you, Matt, that this we're doing it this way because it's, it's a different type of episode this week. Um, it is. It's a very special episode. A special episode of Hey What You Watchin'. Um, so... Uh, let's get into things. So, so shall we? You're folks listening. First off, thanks for listening. Um, uh, I'm glad you're making time for Hey, what you watching? Uh, hopefully, every week. Um, and and we can't wait to share with you episode 50, uh, which will be a huge celebration of this little podcast. It's going to um, be so much fun. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, I have to wait a little bit longer for episode 50 because. Womp womp. Um, we are giving you a vault episode this week. Uh, what does that mean? Well, um, one of us is very busy this week and and cannot record. So that's me. <laughs> I'm the busy one, uh, Matt. I mean, usually we record like on Tuesdays or Wednesdays, maybe a Thursday. But this week, you're like, nope, can't do it. Nope, nope. I literally cannot. No, uh, you're busy with life things. Yes. Uh, you're moving stuff around from one place to another. I'm literally changing residencies. So, <laughs> so I will I will no longer be living here. I will be living there. <laughs> exactly. That That's as specific as you want to get. Matt. So what we did was we called our good friend James Kahn and he broke into the vault for us. <laughs> this is to a get to get a episode especially for this week. This is a good reference you are doing. Um, yes. We're going to the vault once again. Um, we have a handful of vault episodes from all the way back uh, from this past summer. Uh, I mean, today, yes. um, I, mean, a little, I like to say this because um, I always like to give people a peek behind the curtain. But uh, we're recording this little segment on uh, Sunday, the 6th of November, on the eve of um, Election Day. Um, oh, my gosh. I mean, but by the time this comes out, Matt, <laughs> by the time this comes out, Matt... Um, we'll either be in a civil war or um, I don't know what else could happen. <laughs> or we could just do it in movie terms. Uh, this time when you're hearing this, we could either be headed towards a Mad Max Fury Road future or a Star Trek future. There, there you go. Um, there you go. Uh, I, I, I wish um, I could go back in time uh, using another uh, movie reference like Star Trek 2009, and and go back and warn people, hey, you know, make sure to vote for the right person in this hey, election. quit it. <laughs> it's not, if you're thinking of voting for that one guy, don't, okay? I think you just gave it away. <laughs> you said guy. Oops. my. I mean, my cards are on the table. Oops, I did it again. All these references mean nothing in the in in uh, the time this episode comes out, Matt. Anyway, it's, it's fine. We'll still have Britney Spears with us, so everything will be fine. <laughs> Whoops, we did it again. Oops, what that's is, a good song. <laughs> what is going on? Okay, so we recorded this episode you're about to listen to back uh, on uh, May twenty fourth, two thousand sixteen. The year of our Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and our guest uh, for this episode was James Marsh. Yes. Uh, who is, I mean, I listened back to this episode just uh, an, an hour ago, and I'm, I'm very pleased with this. Uh, James is a great guest, um, 
glad it's finally out this episode and and yeah um uh, and i was also just informed off mic that uh, he's recently married so yes congratulations james congrats to him congrats james and so you're going to listen to a pre-married james marsh in this episode um and what exactly are we going to be talking about in this episode um hey uh let's not get there yet because in this time we have with you folks, we want to talk about something timely. If you listen, yes. if you're listening to this, um, the the week it comes out, um, Matt, we saw a movie uh, this past weekend that uh, is pretty strange. Ha, <laughs> Doctor Strange. Ha. So okay, we saw Doctor Strange. That's that's what we we're, did. That's where we're getting it. Um, Matt. Uh, yes. I'll go to you first. I'll okay. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, what did you think of Doctor Strange? Uh, I really liked it. Like, I really, really enjoyed this one. I have never seen anything else that Scott Derrickson has directed. Uh, people say I should see Sinister, at least. Yes. Uh, but no, I have not seen anything this guy has done. But I know he does horror films, and... I could totally get that sense through during a few of these sequences in Doctor Strange. And that struck all the right chords with me. I love the cast in this film as well. I love uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in this, who, outside of a few performances, I've never been a huge fan of. Uh, he's always just seemed, like, very bland. Uh, but here he really has a good screen presence and plays this prick pretty well. Because spoilers, he's kind of a jerk in this movie, at least to start off with. Uh, I really liked him. I liked uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. I thought he was uh, terrific. Uh, Rich McAdams is a vision, as always. Um, Mads Mikkelsen, as you know, people like him, right? He's a popular person in movies yes. and TV. Yes. Yeah, yes, people are, people are a fan of him. I enjoyed him. I liked Tilda Swinton in this. Uh, I really want to point out Benedict Wong, though in this because he has some of the best beats in the film. He plays like a uh, sorcerer librarian type and he's one of the great sources of humor in this in this picture and uh big shout out to uh to Wong because uh yeah, he's one of my favorite parts of this entire experience other than the visuals which oh boy, if anyone gets a chance, please see this on the biggest screen possible in 3D because the 3D for once is totally worth it. It's. Uh, I mean, I'm usually. I usually see 3D anyway, but most times I'm let down. Uh, this was well worth your the few extra bucks to go see it uh, in 3D. Uh, I really liked what they did with this. I really like the uh, the resolution at the end. Uh, I thought the uh, the finale was uh, pretty inventive uh, in what they in what they pulled off with it. That was fun. Uh, yeah, I I love Doctor Strange. It's one of my favorite. Uh, in the Marvel Universe. So, yeah, I'll throw it to you. <laughs> yeah, I had a really fun time with this. Um, which, I, which pleases me to no end. Yeah, uh, I, I've, I, I've mentioned on this show before, I think, or maybe to you privately, I don't know, mm -hmm. that I'm, I've grown kind of tired of superhero movies. Yeah. Um, so I had kind of low expectations coming into this. And yeah. uh, I think it was Thursday nights. I was like, okay... And nothing to do. Might as well see a movie. What's playing? Oh, Doctor Strange. And, of course, everything was sold out except 3D showings. And I go, oh, should I see this in 3D? Because I'm not a huge fan of 3D. I don't. No, you're it. not. No, not at all. So I was no. like, you know what? I give it a shot. 
because I've heard, you know, people, I heard, I heard rumblings that the 3D here is, is pretty worthwhile, and surprise, surprise, it is. Uh, the 3D in this movie is amazing. And yeah, the, the effects are terrific. They're some of the best I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it, it heightens the effects where, um, I mean, if you don't know Doctor Strange, he he's a, <laughs> I don't know much about him, but from watching the movie, he, he he's able to jump through dimensions and do all this crazy Inception type stuff. He's the Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, I've had that on the Taco Ball menu. Um, but <laughs> ha, <laughs> I have jokes. No, so but so <laughs> they're good jokes. I like them. There are moments when yes, like dimensions are bent and buildings are, are you know toppling towards you, and it works. It, it, absolutely, the visuals look, work. It looks so cool. It's amazing. I, in the three D, in those moments, it heightens everything. And I mean, mm-hmm. and this, I mean, this is saying a lot. This is. I mean, coming from me, who doesn't think highly of 3D, this is saying a lot. So I yeah. I want to see this desperately again in IMAX this time because I saw it in, in a regular theater in 3D. Okay. I want to see right. it in IMAX 3D this time. And I'm eager to see it in IMAX Laser 3D, which Ooh. is a cool new thing I had heard about last year. Uh, a technology. Yeah, I, I talked about it. Um, I think on the podcast, on the Talk from Society podcast, with Mike okay. Sch- with uh, Mike Schindler, we talked about IMAX and and tech, and he was telling me about these uh, laser IMAX projectors, and I was like, "Ooh, that looks cool," or that sounds. Plus, cool. it has the word laser in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that's awesome. Yeah, that sounds cool. And I was like, "Ooh, that that might look cool." And come to find out that my big IMAX theater in Austin recently revamped their projectors to include. Nice lasers so i want to see Ooh. this i want to see this in laser imax 3d so uh, uh, i'll report back here to to tell you my experience with that once it happens and you're and you're the non-comic book fan yes yeah i don't i mean it's not that <sighs> it's not that you're not a fan it's just that you didn't grow up reading not comics. at all no no i okay i, I don't I, I read one comic i think in my life matt and that was like what was a... it <laughs> It was, was it an Archie Archie book? No, no, no. It was um, a uh, Carnage uh, comic. Um, oh, which one? Probably Maximum Carnage. Probably, yeah, I think probably that. That's was that it. was the giant crossover yeah. in the '90s. And I, oh, I, you, you just remind me. I also uh, read the um, the Mask uh, comic book. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I know you didn't read any like the big like Touchstone books growing up no what? like even like death of superman you didn't read that storyline oh i did when i was a kid yeah i read that yeah i think everyone i think everyone read that Everybody that was, read a, that. That was required a required child thing. yeah yeah but no you know outside of those you know uh special events nope nope okay not not uh, a huge comic book fan and and this is something i wrote about which i think it I, yeah it's on letterboxd and yeah it, i mean people who want to search for it you can feel free um, I wrote a long thing about Doctor Strange and how, yes, I don't know much about uh, the the lore, the, the the comic book history, but it's still, I, I think it's still effective. The movie, um, I connected it to Iron Man in a way where I had, yeah. I, I had no idea what was going on in Iron Man. I mean, to be honest, before the movie came out, I didn't actually know he was a real character. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I I was really that dumb, um, but I think it accomplishes accomplish. Sorry, Doctor Strange accomplishes something like Iron Man did, where yeah, you connect with this character. He's fully, he's he's, he's almost a fully formed character. Where you're like, oh, uh, I get it. So, in that yeah. aspect, I think it succeeds. 
and I was I did grow up reading comic books. I mean, I had uh, I had subscriptions to comic books even where they would send them to my house. I uh, I grew up reading uh, Spider-Man comics mostly, and I always got happy when Doctor Strange would show up uh, in a Spider-Man book, and that led me to go to the library and take out one of the uh, collections of old uh, 60s comic books. It was a uh, Doctor Strange set. It had it's like a big thick thick book of Doctor Strange, uh, the ones that were written by Stanley and you know drawn by uh, Steve Ditko, and that's what I took away from this this film. They they put Steve Ditko's art on the screen. Uh, you can Google his like Doctor Strange art of of you know the the Dark Realm and uh, other planes of existence. It's right there on the screen. It is gorgeous. Uh, if you're an old school comic book fan, or even if you just want to see some really cool trippy visuals, uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely check this out because they pulled it off. They really pulled it off and put a huge smile on my face in the process. So yeah, so there's a lot to take away from this. If you're a comic book fan, if you're not that into comic books, because I, I mean, let me reemphasize the visuals in this for me stand out. I think they mm-hmm. make the movie. Absolutely. Like, I think that's the main reason why I want to see it again. It's just to see those visuals on the screen. And of course, like performances of the cast, everything pretty much does work. It's entertaining. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, 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 th- I think this is a crowd pleaser, Matt. I think for people who are on the fence about, Hey, like, like me, like a, like a few weeks ago, Hey, comic books, comic book movies, I'm tired of you were them. like you're like eh eh I was apathetic dragging your feet to yeah. see Doctor Strange but and now I, you're like oh Doctor Strange is awesome I yeah. had a really fun time it was fun it's awesome and they do a really good job of uh, establishing magic in this universe oh yeah yeah I I totally bought into it I I enjoyed the training montages the the like the rules behind all this yeah you know universe yeah. bending it's it, it I, was cool it was cool it was yeah. cool yeah. Um, but yeah, that we, I mean, we both enjoyed Doctor Strange, so so there you go. I'm I'm pleased. It's it's pretty good, fam. <laughs> to use the the voice of the children oh, these days, geez. Um, it is lit, as they say, <laughs> as the youth says. I I, I want to bring this up as well. Um, I was reminded this past week of um, we had an X Men movie earlier this year. <laughs> oh yeah, we did. We did, and we do discuss X Men. In, in pretty good detail in this vault episode you're about to hear, folks. I, I can't wait to listen to this episode because <laughs> I haven't seen that movie since then. Um, I remember enjoying it well enough. We we, we actually, uh, at this point in, this, in the recording uh, we're about to give you, folks, and we'll listen back to it later. Uh, uh, we hadn't seen it yet, Matt, but James okay. had seen it because it, oh, okay. it, it opened up early um, in Hong Kong. Over, over in Hong Kong, yeah. yes. Um, so we were just talking about like this, the franchise up to that point, and um, and yeah, it was it was funny me listening back to myself complaining about X Men and kind of superhero movies in general, <laughs> and I was, and listen to you now, <laughs> I I mean, <laughs> boy, have the tables have turned. I like superhero movies, or li- oh, I like this superhero movie, uh, Doctor Strange. They, they they can be really fun. Yes. Yeah, they can be when they really try. And yeah, I thought about X Men Apocalypse and go, oh, that was a drag. That was. I mean, <laughs> and I know you liked it a lot more than me, Matt. I had fun, yes. Uh, but I, it was a drag, and I, I don't want to name the other one, the other superhero movies that came out this year. That I, I mean, I like Civil War, but I don't know if I. No, I for sure didn't enjoy it as much as Doctor Strange. 
Well, no, not at all. No. And let's not get into the the DC universe because <laughs> I I don't I don't I don't know. Um, but I will say for sure for me anyway, Doctor Strange. I'll say that I'll say that Wonder Woman looks pretty good. I hope that's good. I I'll tell you. Uh, we were walking into the theater and. I turned to Carl. I was like, "Yo, I still haven't seen that that Wonder Woman trailer." He's like, "What is wrong with you?" <laughs> and luckily, they played it before Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm so glad I didn't waste that on my phone. <laughs> yeah, uh, I because, because hey, fun fact: it's shot in color. <laughs> Crazy concept, right, Marcelo? Uh, they would shoot a DC Universe movie in color. What are you even talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's so colorful. Oh, it... that movie. Yeah, like it actually has colors that pop. Yeah, I mean, are you and, and aren't muted? <laughs> what are you comparing this to? Are you comparing it to the Snyder movies? Yes, <laughs> because I'm because everything is dull and drab. Okay, this is. I need to pause. I mean, not pause the recording, but just pause this conversation and say, Matt, don't you really like those movies? Yes, I do, but it's really nice to see things in color again. Okay, well, it's it, it's. I thought it was unusual for you to bring up like a negative towards that that movie or his movies. Oh no, it, it, I like those movies. I also like things that are vibrant and in color. Okay, okay, I just want to make that clear. Yeah. Okay, um, because I'm not I'm not a fan of Batman vs Superman. Just for, I know. Okay, I'm not I'm not a fan of that. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> and, we know. And. I don't know. I think I may have overpraised Suicide Squad when it came out. Um, yes, you did. I did. I I I, I want to go back and retract those those statements. Please uh, do. Because I was yeah you know, I was just gonna say Doctor Strange is the superhero movie that I've had the most fun at this year. Absolutely. And and if if we were gonna rank them, I mean, we don't have to, Matt. I like put this at the top, and at at the very end, if you if you want to go there, I put for me X Men Apocalypse because that's how bad that movie is. <laughs> uh, um, and any last words on Doctor Strange or superhero movies in general before we move on? It's a groovy good time. Go see it. It is groovy. Oh, speaking of groovy, uh, folks listening, you you may have already heard the intro unless you skipped over it for some reason. The intro music, um, you heard Michael Giacchino score. For Doctor Strange, it's mm-hmm. it's so catchy. It's the most. It's so stellar. It's it, really good to me. For me, it's the most catchy Marvel theme like ever. It's been stuck in my head since I've I, since I saw the movie. I've been replaying the soundtrack over and over. It's fun. It's 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 a it's a good time that soundtrack. Um, and we don't do movie news on this usually, but I I was excited to to uh, learn about him doing the new uh, sorry Spider Man Homecoming score. Uh huh. That's gonna be fun. Very. Very, very fun. So, yeah. Um, go back and listen to that soundtrack. It's pretty damn good. So, that's Doctor Strange. Yes. Done. So, speaking of movies, <laughs> episode 20 of Hey What You Watching. You went to listen movies. to that, folks. So, Matt. Okay. So, I said, okay. Let me let me go through some notes real quick. Then we'll, okay. we'll, we'll pass it on to ourselves in the past. Um... So this this is episode twenty, and like I said earlier, we recorded this back in May. So yeah, we were we're not as like formal, we're not as structured as as you know the newer episodes. Like we just mm-hmm. have like a bit of small talk, and then we just jump right into the guest. We don't have yes. Um, well, I mean, we do have getting to know you. Um, this is actually the second mm-hmm. instance that getting oh, to know boy. you happened. 
Um, the first instance, of course, was in episode t- uh, 19. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, this is uh, the second instance of, hey, getting to know you. And what else can I say about this? I mean, I mentioned that the episode, you're about to listen to, uh, comes out June 13th. Of course, that's very wrong. <laughs> the, there's a reason why we have vault episodes. Like, we were very uh, cocky in that we, we could record, like, like. Uh, many episodes at a time and release them like later on. Then that kind bad of, idea that fell through, and that's why like we had like I think we had at one point like five episodes we hadn't released, and now we're slowly getting them out there. Um, and yeah, oh, we mentioned Scream Factory in this recording. <laughs> oh, so uh, I think that's maybe like six weeks in a row that we that we mentioned Scream Factory on this show, Matt. Damn right. <laughs> Because uh, you mentioned that you watched the Manhunter Scream Factory release, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, those are my notes. It's pretty. It's a pretty good episode, I think. It's a pretty good episode. Um, before we wrap it up, I, I sent you a list, Matt, of what yes. we discussed on the show. Do you yes. want, do you want to give people because you don't do it in in the recording because we didn't do it back then? But oh. do you want, do you want to give people uh, Matt's Riddle Corner? I do. <laughs> I thought you would. So okay. I love Matt's Riddle Corner. So here's Matt's Riddle Corner for episode twenty. Uh, Matt's Riddle Corner, the my little segment where I give the audience cryptic clues about what we're going to be discussing. Uh, this week we're going to hang out in the neighborhood with Seth Rogen, and then we're going to hang out with a couple of nice fellas. And then we're going to talk about some pissed off poultry. I think that they'd be considered poultry. And then we're going to hang out. I don't know what that movie is. <laughs> Keep going. Oh, Reese Witherspoon. We're going to hang out with yeah. her, right? She did yeah, that yeah, mistake. yeah. She was in that mistake. Uh, and then we're going to hang out with Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds in another mistake. And then we're going to talk about the mighty mutants of Westchester, New York. And then we're going to talk about Michael Mann Hunter. And then we're going to hang out with uh, the the kid, the Reitman kid, and his <laughs> movie with Adam Sandler, right? Yeah. And then we're going to hang out with, I don't know which version that is. Um, it's uh, Coppola. Oh, we're going to hang out with uh, the big guy with the fangs. Then we're going to hang out with Howard, uh, Howard Hawks and Cary Grant. And then we're going to watch um, Tom Cruise run from his lawyers. <laughs> and there was also another one I forgot to add in. Uh, you watched a Godzilla movie at the end. so um, We're uh, going to watch Giant Monster mess shit up. <laughs> How about that? There you go. So that's Matt's, a clue. that's, <laughs> that's Matt's Riddle Corner for episode 20. Okay. Uh, well, well, this was fun. I'm glad we got to record something. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, uh, something uh, relative to what a little something's extra. Yeah, there you go. Um, okay, great Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Matt, any last words before we toss it to ourselves in the past? I don't think so. No. Well, folks, thanks for listening to this part. Don't turn off your podcast just yet. Yeah, no, because there's more content coming your way. There's at least an hour and, like, 20 minutes worth of content left in this episode. Oh, boy. Enjoy me, Matt, and our guest, James Marsh, as we discuss, you guessed it, movies. Movies.
Hey everyone, and welcome back to Hey What You Watching, the weekly podcast where Marcelo Pico and I discuss the films we've been watching. Welcome to episode 20, Only Podcasts Have Wings. I'm your host, Matt Curione, and with me as usual is Marcelo. How you doing, man? Hey, Matt. I'm doing great. Uh, as always, um, so happy to be back. This is episode 20. I know, it's a big one. It's a big one. Uh, I mean, if you don't count those dispatches we did a long time ago... Uh, this is a, the official episode 20 of Hey What You Watching. Uh, I don't. <laughs> those are like lost in the archives, those dispatches. They're it, somewhere, right? Yeah. I mean, We did a Martian one. That was fun. Yeah. It, it, it was a weird in-between time between the, the Talk From Society podcast and this podcast. We did dispatches. Uh, anyway, I, I think they're on SoundCloud, so seek those out, folks. Yeah, and I also think we have a guest. <laughs> oh, yes. We're, we're, uh, another I week, would, another guest. Yes, I would like to say good morning to our guest, because there is such a time difference that it's ridiculous. Uh, our guest today is James Marsh. How you doing? I'm very well. Good to uh, good to be on the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on, James. Um, and yeah, uh, real quick, just to let the folks know, um, you write for Twitch Film, right? That's right, yeah. I'm Asian editor for Twitch Film. I'm a critic for Screen International. And then I do some local stuff way over here in Hong Kong as well. Ooh, Hong Kong. Our first international uh, call our slash first, guest, yeah. Our first international guest. I know, it's pretty great. Yeah. I'm very honored. Thank you. Exciting. Um, we'll send you the little trophy here. Yay. In a bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so and this it, is... Oh, go ahead, Matt. It, Oh, this actually leads into the new segment that we debuted last week called Get to Know Ya, where we get oh. to know our guests so people aren't, you know, think they're just some rando. <laughs> <laughs> so, James, uh, a few questions. Uh, sure, fire away. Yeah, uh, what was the first film you ever remember seeing? Ever remember seeing? Wow. Um, it was probably a James Bond movie, to be honest. They oh, were... Right. They were definitely sort of in my blood and in my DNA even earlier than the Star Wars films, I think. So, I mean, that said, I think the first film I remember, I sort of worked it back from early memories of going to the cinema and checking out release dates and what have you. And I think Return of the Jedi was one of the first ones I remember going to see. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, which I'm 39. So just just to okay. clear that up. <laughs> um so, yeah, but it was probably a James Bond film. I mean, like I said, they were very much the bedrock of my sort of film education, if you like. Those, and you know, the normal things. Yeah, the Indiana Jones films, Star Wars films, that kind of mm. thing. Uh, okay, also, uh, where are you from? I am from England, as my accent might give away. Uh, yeah, I'm no. from Brighton, Brighton <laughs> the sunny south of England. Okay. Uh, but I have been living in Hong Kong for the last 15 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, my brother is, he was just in Hong Kong. He's uh, in the Navy, so. Oh, wow, okay, and yeah, he they just come went, through. Yeah, he just went back to Japan, so. Right, oh, they tend to have a good time when they come to Hong Kong. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. He, it's all R&R. Yeah, <laughs> he, all he did was send me mm. pictures of that building from The Dark Knight. Oh, That's yeah. right. Yeah. And I don't, what is that building called? It's very unglamorously called 2IFC. Oh, okay. Which is the, yeah, I know. It's the International Financial Center. So it's where oh, okay. stock, stock exchanges. Uh, one last question. What is your favorite film? 
if I had to go with one, it's Apocalypse Now. Ah. There you now, go. Now, what is your t- what's your take on uh, Redux? I gotta ask. Um, I don't I don't like it. It's uh, the individual pieces are okay, I guess. I mean, mm. I like it when they uh, come upon the uh, the Playboy bunnies again, and when you know elements like isn't there a bit where their surfboards get stolen, or they they go and yeah. steal Kilgore's uh, surfboards? Um, but the the problem with uh, the plantation sequence is that it comes so late in the film that it almost then seems like Kurt is just around the next bend, like he's like their, you know, noisy neighbor or something, and it never yeah. really worked for me. So I've only seen it the one time. I remember I saw it when it got the theatrical release, what, 10, 12 years ago now, mm. and I was already a huge fan of the film, and I was like, no, no thank you. Because he re-edited the whole film as well, didn't yeah, he? And yeah. just something about the rhythm and the pacing that I had, you know, fallen in love with just was off. And so I've only watched it that one time. And I have it, you know, I have the the box set, Blu-ray edition. But um, no, I doubt I'll ever watch it again, to be honest. I've also only seen it once. And I always felt that that plantation sequence would work as its own separate, like, short. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's fine in and of itself. It just doesn't fit where they put it. Yeah. Well, hey, that's get to know you, everyone. We just got to know you, James. <laughs> I feel so we... exposed and vulnerable. Ah, there it is. Welcome to Hey, What You Watching. <laughs> it's great to have a guest just feeling that way. <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat. Pull the rug right <laughs> under them. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's jump into things, Matt, right? Let, let's, let's do it. Uh, let's start with you, Marcelo. Okay. What um, you been watching? Here we go. Um, I'm going to start with something pleasant. Cause okay. <laughs> on, on, on my list this week... I have two pleasant movies and two not-so-pleasant movies. Um, let's start with the good stuff first. Um, yes. Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising. Okay. Uh, a new release this week. Or, but as of time that you guys are listening to this, fine listeners, uh, it's been out for a few weeks. <laughs> uh, the week of June 13th, you're listening to this. So we're in the past. Ooh. Um, Ooh, magic. And, <laughs> anyway... Neighbors two, I, I quite like this movie, Matt. Um, have you have you seen uh, the the first one, Matt? I did, uh, and I enjoyed it. It was really funny. And James, I, I think we spoke off my. You saw this one, right? Uh, Neighbors two. I have seen this. Yeah, I've seen both. Yeah, yeah you've seen both. Uh, I I just uh, give you my quick opinion, and then I'll toss it over to you, James. Um, yeah, I okay. mean, I, I I like it a lot. Um, the first one I did uh, love a lot. Um, I think I like the first one more than the second one. But there's a lot to really appreciate with the second one. Uh, much uh, has been made about its uh, feminist stance, which mm. is not a bad thing, folks. Um, I don't see how it would be a bad thing because uh, the movie begins. One of the plot lines is. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz uh, joins a sorority, and like the first plot point is, hey, did you know that sororities can't party at their own houses? And it's like, what? And yeah, and one of the characters I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. One of the characters, played by Selena Gomez, goes, "It's true. Google it." <laughs> it's like telling <laughs> tell, telling the audience, "Hey, this is actual a crazy thing that's real," um, and that's the that's the that's the push for this plot line of Chloe Grace Moretz, basically. Uh, buying a house with her friends and just partying right next to the house of Seth Rogen and uh, Rose Byrne. Because of course. Because of course. Uh, because of sequel. Mm. Um, yes. it, 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 it very much 
is kind of repetitive in, in, in what we saw in the first one, but I think it still works. It's still funny. Um, I still love these characters. Um, oh my god, I just blanked on Zac Efron. Zac Efron is still hilarious. People don't give him enough credits, but with the right you know role, with the right story, I think he's... Uh, He's he's really good. So yeah, yeah. That, that's my quick take on, on Neighbors too. Uh, James, you saw this as well. Uh, what did you think of the movie? Uh, I think I liked it more than the first one actually. Ah. Uh, the first one I thought was you know it's fine. Uh, you know Seth Rogen playing a sort of quote unquote adult. You know as as opposed to the sort of completely devoid of uh, responsibilities kind of slacker character. You know, and I thought I quite enjoyed how he's you know clinging on to this uh, whole idea of of being uh, fun-loving, but at the same time having the new responsibility of a kid and all the rest of it. And I thought Rose Byrne was very good and Zac Efron was very good, but I felt it just kind of ran its course and ran out of steam a little bit. Uh, this second one, I I thought it really benefited from this sort of spin and having all these sort of uh, female characters in it. Um, I saw this quite soon after watching that horrific documentary, The Hunting Ground, all about... <laughs> You know, uh, U.S. college campus oh, rape culture, yeah, which yeah. is fierce. Um, I mean, I did not go to college in the U.S. Uh, the Greek system is quite literally all Greek to me. Uh, uh, I don't get it. Uh, thank you. And, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, this whole I, I'd kind of, I think that does mention, obviously, the fact that uh, sororities are not allowed to hold their own parties and they're, they're forced to kind of go into the uh, the this sort of danger zone of of the frat parties and i loved how the film acknowledges all of that i mean one of the early scenes is they have to go to this frat party and although that they're sort of freshmen they're new to the college they're probably sort of leaving home for the first time and very naive and this is what makes them so vulnerable in real life um they have their wits about them to a degree and they're wandering through this frat house kind of going does this feel a little rapey to you it feels a little rapey to me (laughs) and there's this running joke about not drinking the punch and things like that and i thought well this is actually a really good way of getting these messages across to girl you know two girls of this age who are probably not let's be honest not going to watch the hunting ground unless they're sat in front of it and made to watch it whereas this covers the same topics the same ground but obviously in a much more funny and accessible way i mean don't get me wrong it doesn't feel like you're being lectured to or preached to in any way it's uh it's like you say it's just the catalyst to have them move off campus and move next door but uh i felt the film really benefited from it it was really respectful really smart to its female characters and uh yeah really funny and stupid at the same time so that helps yeah yeah exactly and i I, um i think the only reason why i like the first one a little bit better because i think it's more focused um, I, I will say I do love the message of the of the second one. I'm all with. I mean, I love those new female characters. I think one of the characters, I think the actress is like, uh, oh god, I should look this up before. I think it's um, Jonah Hill's sister. I may have to. Look oh that. wow, yeah. So I'm gonna double check that in huh. case I'm I'm totally off base. But is that the girl that's, who wakes up in the car? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I believe that's her. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Uh, okay. But yeah, I, I mean, because they add so many new characters in Neighbors 2, I, I think it does spread itself a bit thin. But that's my only complaint. Other than that, I, sure. s- I still think it's pretty funny. I still think the message works. Um, I, had, I had a good time. Um, Definitely. I mean, I think it still suffers from some of those problems that for, uh, comedies of this nature do suffer from, where you can tell that some of the scenes were just 
improvised over and over and over until they got the, the gag that they wanted. And then those two takes, you know, those two shots would just splice together in order to yeah. get the scene. The, um, uh, the linorama syndrome. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But I also did enjoy the way Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne's characters are kind of wrestling with this idea of whether or not they're good parents. And uh, this, the other running joke about the dildo, <laughs> uh, which, I, you know, I, I love a good dildo joke uh, like the rest of them. But there's a bit when they uh, actually put it in like a Disney princess dress. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. It's so funny. Oh, it was really yeah. good. Yeah, those those jokes really work. Um, Matt, you should definitely see this movie. It's, it's so I, I should see this. It's a fun time. Yes. All right. Uh, uh, one last thing. I love Rose Byrne to death. She's amazing. Mm. I've loved her ever since uh, the show Damages. I've been with her ever since. Um, she's a treasure. She's a treasure. I think in Neighbors 1, she's utilized a little bit better. Like, I wish there's a little bit more Rose Byrne in, in Neighbors 2, but that's my only complaint uh, concerning Rose Byrne, because we all need more Rose Byrne in our life. Um, that's it. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. she seems huge right now. She's... Uh... She's not going anywhere, I don't think. I mean, she's going to be around for a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Thank goodness. Uh, Matt, who's next? Uh, I'll go. Excellent. Uh, over the weekend, I had the option of either going to see Neighbors 2 or The Nice Guys, the new Shane Black film. Oh. Uh, I saw Shane Black's The Nice Guys, uh, and I actually saw it twice. <clears throat> Uh, you've discussed this in the past, right, Marcelo? Yes, yes. yes on numerous podcasts, including oh, that, boy. including the big Shane Black special for Talk Prime. Yes. Um, for those listening now, uh, go back and listen to that. Uh, two full episodes, four complete hours of many, many guests discussing Shane Black's films. It was a great pleasure to to edit together and to release. And so far, people are enjoying it, so that's great. So yeah, go back and listen to that. And, uh, James, this hasn't been released by you yet. Uh, it has not been released, no. Um, I've been harassing all the local Hong Kong distributors, but <laughs> no, one seems, no one seems to have it at the moment, so fingers crossed. Well, they're all the worst, because they need to get this movie immediately. Yeah, so you loved it, right, Matt? Uh, it is currently my favorite film of the year. Ooh, wow. amazing, yeah. Uh, I love Shane Black. I love what he does with... With his films, I mean, there's this lovely, like, there's like a purity to his characters. I mean, he never deals with good people. He always deals with broken people. Uh, who, they, in the end, maybe they turn out to be good, but for the most part, they are just broken, defeated people. I mean, Ryan Gosling in this, sure, he's hilarious, but he also has a lot of problems. And yeah. so does Russell Crowe in this. And this is the, also, I'll say, this is the best Russell Crowe has been in a long time. Yes. He looks like he's having a ball. Uh, his his performance is great. His physicality, I mean, sure, he's put on some pounds, but it works to his advantage in this. I mean, because he can throw his weight around, no pun intended, and it works. And he's very intimidating in this as the guy who you pay to deal with your problems. Uh, yeah, I love Russell Crowe in this. The I forget her name, but the... Girl who plays Ryan Gosling's daughter is terrific in this. Uh, the father-daughter dynamic between him and her is fantastic. Uh, he's got this great way of like writing like a child into his, his film and not make it the dumbest part of the movie. I mean, he did that. He did this with Iron Man three as well. I mean, when uh, 
the kid, uh, I think his name is Ty Simpkins, the one who helped yeah, Tony. That's right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He used it. He used a child actor there, and he didn't make it seem awful because most most child actors are like the worst part of these action movies. But I, Marcelo, do you know her name? Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, okay. I know she's Australian. Is it uh, on? Oh wait, oh no. Keep on talking, man. I'm yeah, but to... she is fantastic in this, and she picks up any scene that she's in and she can carry it uh she has a few scenes on her own and she carries those uh also i'll say that shane black is great at juxtaposing two different action scenes at once uh he'll have a brutal fist fight going and then he'll cut real quick to a car chase that's happening maybe not even a mile away and he cuts back and forth and it works you can you know what is happening he's got a great eye for action and i guess that's what happens when you see your screenplays turned into these all-timer action films uh you pick up a few things uh from say like a richard donner who also is really good at that in the lethal weapon pictures yeah the nice guys is fantastic it's it is my favorite film of the year there's just so much to love in this and hey the soundtrack is amazing yeah uh here's a report from the fact checkers here at hey what you watching uh-oh um the, the 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 young actress playing the daughter her name is uh i can't pronounce this first name but it's somewhere along along the lines of angori rice okay uh i'm probably mispronounced that really badly and also i was right about jonah hill's sister being a neighbor's too so uh, oh, there you go. very 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 taunted family that family um, so yes, Matt, I'm I'm so happy you 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 pretty much love the nice guys. I love it so much. I've been praising it for weeks. I saw okay, I can jump in uh, w- w- with another film I saw this past week. I saw the nice guys again. <laughs> it, was my, it was my second time, and I just oh, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to say uh, that I I kind of missed some okay. Let me restart and just say, I think the second viewing of The Nice Guys for me really elevated it for me. Oh, same. Um, because, yeah, I mean, you can talk about this too, Matt. It's one of those movies very much like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or any other, like, noir film, like, like neo-noir. Like, um, the, the the Long Goodbye, right? Um, yeah. The Elliot the, the Gold, Robert Altman film. Uh, I, I, every rewatch I have with that, I just appreciate it more and more. Because you pick up on new things. Yeah, exactly. It's that type of film. There's so much going on in terms of plots um, that may be too dense. Also, Chinatown. That's another good one. Um, oh, yeah. That you just pick up on certain aspects of it. You pick up on plot. You really know what's happening in, in the story because um, it's just so dense. And Shane Black knows how to write those dense neo-noir films. And this is definitely one of them. Uh, I think I like it a lot more the second time. I, I, for me, it was like number three on my top ten, you know, but I, I think it might go to number two. I don't know. We'll see. I have to see it again right away. <laughs> I mean, uh, you can tell. I loved it. I mean, it did unseat Green Room for my number one. Oh, so that's, that's major right there. That um, is major. <laughs> James. Uh, James, I'm so excited for you to see this. <laughs> what, uh, yeah, no, I cannot wait. I'm I'm such a big Shane Black fan. I mean, uh, like I was 10 when, you had, when Lethal Weapon and Predator came out. Uh-huh. And... You know, they were so we, they were movies that we just watched over and over and over and over again. And then uh, Last Boy Scout, which has another fantastic sort of adolescent female yeah. character in it. Yeah, you know, Daniel um, Harris. Yeah, exactly, Daniel Harris with uh, Bruce Willis. They're there back and forth through that film. I mean, she's another really lippy, precocious kid. Yeah. You know, 
who thinks she's wise beyond her age, but probably isn't actually. Uh, you know, I felt that really works so well. And um, obviously, yes, yeah, since he started directing, he's been going gangbusters. So I can't wait for this. And I'm so glad to hear that it's uh, it's worth it. So I just hope I just hope we get to see it in the cinema. Because yeah, if I if I have to wait, yeah, if I have to wait till like Blu-ray or whatever, then that's gonna suck. Oh yeah, because I, I I'll tell you this, just seeing it on the big screen, because I I saw it like in the most perfect way possible, like on the biggest screen. I think at the draft house where I saw it, the loudest sound system I think yeah. in that, in <laughs> in that entire theater, because there's a scene early on when a car crashes through a house. And I was seeing it with somebody else, and they got scared because <laughs> like the, it was just so damn loud. So I loved that screening that I saw. It. I I, I kind of want to see it in that theater again because the presentation was impeccable. But yeah, um, I'm excited to see it for a third time. Matt, you saw it for a second time. I saw in, it for a second time. Yeah. In a span of like a few days. So. Yeah, I saw it on Saturday, and then I saw it uh, today. So. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I, I really want more people to to see it because uh, I think it, uh, fortunately it only placed fourth, right? In, in I the, think so. The yeah. American box office, but mm. I mean it's been critically praised. I hope the word of mouth is good. I mean, yeah. I I don't want to concentrate on box office, but I really want movies like this to succeed because Shane Black and Joel Silver and everybody involved has been. Talk. They've been talking about doing more of these. If if people go out and see this one, yeah, so yeah, I would love to see that. Um, they have more stories to tell. He like Shane Black was originally going to make this a TV series. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I just heard him on the podcast actually describe how he went to CBS with this idea, and CBS like rejected it because they one of the many things that they had a problem with was um, there's a scene in, in Nice Guys where. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Ryan Gosling, uh, his character's daughter, uh, as as uh, as we described, like she's like a terrific character, like she um, sneaks into his trunk and like goes to this party with like all these like porn stars. Yeah. And Gosling opens up the trunk, sees that she's there, and he slams the trunk. Yes. <laughs> it's like a great joke. And CBS uh, saw that in the script, and they're like, "Hey, that's like that's like child abuse. That's that's immoral." <laughs> And yeah. Shane, okay. And Shane Black is like, really? Like, you want to talk to me? You, you want to talk to me about morals and standards on on this network, CBS, home of yeah, like uh, the Big Bang Theory, <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Uh, the biggest atrocity ever on television. But yeah, yeah it's, but it's up there. Yeah, and and then he tried to move it to HBO, but like that didn't work out. So yeah, he has. I'm sure he has a lot of stories to tell with these two characters in that setting. So I'm excited at the prospect of seeing more of this of of the nice guys. Nice Guys 2, Nice Guys 3. Like I said, the soundtrack's great. Uh, I just bought the novelization. Oh, wow. Which is is fantastic. It's put out by uh, Titan Books under their Hard Case Crime uh, (laughs) uh, label, which deals with, like, you know, like, pulp classics and, like, just, like, pulpy detective books. And it is written like an old-school detective novel. Oh, my God. And I picked it up this afternoon. I'm already, like, 40 pages in. It's fantastic. Oh, that sounds... Do you, do you know offhand who wrote it? Did Shane Black do, write that as well? Or? No, it's written by Charles Ardai, and it's actually it's based on the original screenplay. So there's scenes mm. in the book that aren't in the film. Oh wow! Oh cool! And it's okay. it's really cool because you're learning a lot more about these characters and seeing the movie twice. I just want to know as much as I can about this world of you know Los Angeles 1977 as I can. That's amazing. I have to check that out. Yeah, I gotta find that. Yeah, uh, Matt, who's next? I believe it's James. All right. 
Okay, uh, I can stick with new stuff. I've seen a couple of other new films that we could talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen the Angry Birds movie. What's very <laughs> angry? Um, now, it's very rare that you have that I get to criticize a film, let alone a cartoon, for being too character driven <laughs> and there being not not enough plot, and particularly one that's based on uh, an app. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Angry the Angry Birds movie, or just Angry Birds, or whatever it's called in your territory, is um, has too much story in it. It's the, wow. you know you've I assume you're familiar with the game and you've all played the game or at least course, have yeah. yeah yeah some idea of what it's about you know it's a good there are birds yeah, yeah there are birds and they do different things and you have to blow up pegs to get eggs sure. um, so one would think that the movie if you were going to make one would be about pigs stealing eggs and the birds getting the eggs back That's um, what it's about eventually. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it it takes an hour for for oh the pigs God. to steal the eggs, Jeez. and considering what? that the ge- the game begins after all of that has happened, you know, you don't even you know, pig stealing eggs is not even part of the game. The game is simply a rescue mission. Um, yeah, we have we have you, an hour. That happens before you load up the app. <laughs> yes, right, right. Well, not here. This is if you like the origin story. Or what, you know, of uh, why these essentially why these birds are angry. They live oh, on this idyllic sort of island paradise where all these different breeds of birds live harmoniously together. They're all very happy and they don't fly. That's a big point. It's never really described um, so explain why they don't fly. But obviously for you know for the game we need a catapult later yeah, on. Because uh, yeah, so uh, they don't fly. Uh, it's brought up and passed over a couple of times. Um, and now there is, you know, there is your your main character, Red, and he has anger issues. He uh, so much so that he's been kind of ostracized from the uh, community and lives in a little house on the beach. And after his latest in a series of uh, outbursts, he has to go to anger management therapy where he meets. <laughs> I know. Where he meets... This is a movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where he meets the yellow one called Chuck, voiced by Josh Gad. Uh, so Red is voiced by voiced by uh, Jason Sudeikis. Oh, okay. And, right. and then you have Bomb, and then you have the great big red one. Sure. Know, the, called uh, Terrence. Uh, now there's a there's <laughs> of a good his joke. Terrence. <laughs> there's a good joke. Terrence doesn't speak throughout the whole whole movie. Mm-hmm. All he does is sort of eyeballs people and just kind of goes. <clears throat> You know, either with an upward intonation or a downward intonation, depending on his mood. But his mood is generally angry. That is voiced. That character is voiced by Sean Penn. <laughs> which, uh, of course. Which I thought, oh my god. I thought was pretty good. You know, get the biggest actor they can find and have him say nothing for the movie. Um, so yeah. So essentially, you know, you have this group of characters, and each one represents the different kind of bird. And then uh, the, these pigs turn up. Uh, you've got. Uh, who is it? It's um, Bill Hader, is is the the leader okay. of the of the pigs, and you know they do this big sort of song and dance and show about how that they're explorers and how that they want to help develop and colonize. You know, not 
you know, they're actually colonizing, but they don't want to say it that way. Uh, And it kind of goes from there and it just goes on and on. And obviously Red and his friends are immediately suspicious. Nobody else is. So it's almost I'm trying to think what the very famous classic story is called. Almost like the Pied Piper or something like that, you know, where it's it's all a ruse. But it just takes so long to get there. You know, you could just simply have all of that done, that first hour, in about 20 minutes. Or do, it as like, or do it as like an opening credit sequence. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. You've got birds. There are some angry ones. There are some not-so-angry ones. Pigs arrive, steal the eggs. That's there it. There you go, uh, just like in the yeah. game. <laughs> exactly, over the opening credit. It but, happens um, in a 20-second cutscene in the game. Right, and so, you know, the film... Ugh. It's voiced competently and it's animated very brightly and cheerfully uh, and all the rest of it. But because it's spending so long with these characters not doing the one thing that you know that they're supposed to be doing, they have to fill this time. And they there is a lot of sort of adult referential sort of postmodern humor in there. Of course. You know, with references to other films and just general pop culture and all this kind of stuff. And the biggest problem with all of that is you recognize the references, of course, but they're not funny in and of themselves. Uh, They're not jokes. So it's just like, oh, that's from that. That's from that. So it's almost like watching the worst possible most, um, uh, what's the word? Forget it. It's it's almost like watching the worst possible episode of Family Guy. I was just (laughs) going to say, yeah. Everything is an aside. You know, nothing is about the plot. It's just, you know... Segway, not Segway, it's a, what do you call it? Where you go off on a a tangent, tangential humor, again and again and again and again and again. And you're just like, get on with it already. Uh, You know, and obviously that's interspersed with sort of childish toilet humor, because obviously this is for the kids, one would imagine. And that, the problem is that stuff works. You know, when it's being sort of childish and ridiculous and infantile, you're like, (laughs) they're drinking his wee. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's, that's funny. You know, I won't explain where that joke comes from. It takes too long. But it's, um, you know, it's <laughs> stupid and it's funny uh, to a degree. But when there's all this other stuff for so long, you're just worn out by the time they're like, oh, look, our eggs have gone missing. And How uh, long is this movie? It is. Well, it's not long. It's like 96 minutes or something like that. So, so I went into hour, it going... The hour of that is backstory. Yes. Yeah, and it's, I'm not exaggerating... And when it took, it was that far into it when they're like, "Oh my God, they're stealing the eggs!" I actually looked at my watch and was like, <laughs> "Holy crap, we are an hour into the film." And uh, and after that, it does what you what you expect it to do, and it's it's fine. It's like an animated Angry Birds movie, but there's all of this unnecessary stuff that you're just Oof. exhausted by the time it happens. Oh man! And um, it's gonna make billions of dollars. The problem is the kids are gonna love it because yeah, it's so yeah. it's so dumb, um, and so bright and goofy. It's so bright! <laughs> it is. It's just ooh, primary colors. Uh, oh boy! Good lord! Okay, so yeah, I didn't see that this weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I specifically remember seeing the trailer and going, "Yeah, I'll watch that on Netflix." <laughs> mm. I think I said that after a trailer that I saw today, some new Zac Efron movie oh. uh, with uh, Aubrey Plaza is in it. Oh, someone and someone need dates for something? Need wedding, need wedding dates? Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I turn to my friend Johnny, I'm like, yeah, I'll watch that on Netflix. <laughs> right, is it Adam Devine? Is it that guy? Uh, is that that a person? He, I think, maybe. Is that the guy from Maroon 5? 
No, that's Levine. No. Oh, that, yeah, right. <laughs> now that would be a weird movie. <laughs> that would be very fun. <laughs> oh boy. Um, Adam Levine needs a date. Okay, I'll sign up. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, uh, what'd you What'd you watch, Marcelo? All right, back to me. Oh um, yes. <laughs> I'll make this one real quick because uh, not much breath needs to be given to this. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know, uh, I don't know what mood I was in or, or, or what put me to watching this, but Hot Pursuit. Oh, boy. <laughs> the Renee Zellweger, no, Reese Witherspoon, what am I saying? <laughs> Reese With. let's not confuse the two, okay? Uh, Reese Witherspoon. Sophia, Sophia Vergara. Yes. Uh, vehicle. Uh, vehicle. Get it? Because they're hot pursuit. Um, anyway. <laughs> it's... I, I I wanted to like this. You, know, you did? I did, because I, I, I do like both of these actresses. I like Reese Witherspoon. Okay? Oh, so do I. I, I, I like her a lot. I, I like the... Pr- the, the producing work she's doing lately. I mean, she produced Gone Girl, for God's sakes. Damn right she did. Yeah. And I, I, I love Wild. Like, I, I, I love her performance of that, and I'm pretty sure she had a hand in producing that as well. Mm-hmm. But this... Oh, my God. There's, like, one misstep after another. <laughs> it's it, 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 it's exactly what you think it is. I it, remember seeing trailers for this and saying, oh, so it's the non-funny heat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, oh my god, I just looked it up. It came out last year. It feels like it came out like three years ago. Ugh, yeah, it does. Oh boy. Um, but yeah. So, is this a movie that happened in front of you? It's a movie As... that happened in front of me. It, yeah. I, I mean, they're, it's, to their credit, I think, for the most part, the two actresses make the most of what's happening. You know, I, I was, uh, I think Witherspoon still remains magnetic. Like, she's, she. She tries her best with that stupid Texas accent that she that, that she has. Um, but yeah, Sofia Vergara, I, I do like her. Most people find her annoying, but I, I love her on Modern Family, and she does her best. I don't know. I'm really trying to really trying to defend this movie, but <laughs> <laughs> it, it is just so stupid. The jokes don't work. Um, I don't know. Uh, that's as much as I'll say. So if you're ever if if you've lost your copy of The Heat. Right, um, <laughs> and if you want like female-driven comedy, you're just dying for it. Then try Hot Pursuit. It's 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 your last resort. Um, or I, don't. Oh God, I I appreciate what they tried to do. I I would have loved to. <laughs> here's an idea. I would have loved if Shane Black wrote Hot Pursuit. <laughs> imagine imagine that movie. That would have oh, been wow. great. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I, I'm all I'm all for female-driven comedy but this this fell flat for me well as long as it's good as long as it's good yeah uh, uh, speaking of bad movies uh <laughs> you watched uh, a little ditty starring ryan reynolds and jeff bridges didn't you james yeah yeah i did i did I um, so- and i'm also shocked i for- i remembered who's in that <laughs> well in my defense uh i went to shanghai last weekend okay. and so that means being on a plane for a couple of hours and it was it's a small budget airline and so they they have an entertainment system but it's pretty limited and I flicked through the new releases and it's like seen it seen it seen it seen it. And I really had just seen everything uh, and either that or just stare at the back of the seat in front of me for a couple of hours I was like okay I'll watch something old I'm a captive audience and I was like you know that R.I.P.D. thing 
it I heard it's just kind of like bad Men in Black, uh, which in itself was kind of a ripoff of Ghostbusters, and everybody's yeah. talking about Ghostbusters, and there's a new Ghostbusters coming out, so maybe it might benefit me to have seen this, just uh, you know, as further reading for as and when Ghostbusters comes out. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I watched it, and it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> it's certainly it's certainly more. Men in Black than Ghostbusters, even though, I mean, for those that don't know, the premise is it's based on a Dark Horse comic, I mm. think, I believe. Yeah, it uh, is. It's set in Boston. Ryan Reynolds is a cop. Uh, his partner is Kevin Bacon. They have already stolen some gold that they found at the scene of a bu- of a drugs bust that they did, so nobody was expecting the gold to be there, so they steal the gold. He buries it in his back garden, and then the next day, uh, at another bust, Kevin Bacon his dirty partner kills him because Ryan Reynolds has expressed uh, doubt over what they did. Although it's is it kind of interesting in, in a regard because they are both established immediately as dirty cops. Uh-huh. You know, they are both bad guys. Um, but Kevin Bacon is badder than he is. So uh, <laughs> I like that word. <laughs> you may have it. And, um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> And so, yeah, so we immediately know who the bad guy is. Kevin Bacon is the bad guy, and he kills him because he wants the gold for some reason. And Ryan Reynolds is dead, and he is immediately whisked off to, you know, white-walled rooms where Mary Louise Parker uh, gives him an an offer. She says, you're a cop, we need good cops, Uh, you can become part of the RIPD, the Rest in Peace Division of the... uh, the kind of I don't know they never use words like heaven or underworld should we call it yeah. cops the police department where their job is to regulate and repatriate should we say uh, dead people who have refused to head towards the light and are still wandering the earth and he is partnered up with Jeff Bridges who is you know a, a lawman from the Wild West days uh, but is of you course. know. A good, a good cop, if unconventional, anti-authoritarian, and he has a 100-year sort of service to to uh, to carry out. So he goes back down to earth. Meanwhile, he sees Kevin Bacon making moves on his lady, so he wants to uh, sort that out, protect her. It turns out he's looking for the gold, and it all unfolds exactly as you expect it to. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, and it feels yeah, it feels very beat for beat, Men in Black, but dead people. Uh, but and not as good. There's no, the banter between uh, Reynolds and Bridges is merely just to, to fill air between yeah. scenes of them chasing CGI characters around. And luckily, I mean the whole thing. It's got to be what ninety minutes long or something like that. And yeah. in its that's, defense, that's good though, it's right? yeah. <laughs> the nicest thing I can say about it is it's short. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, you're just like. This yeah, this is not as good as any of the other movies that it's clearly trying to be, and uh, so yeah, so it's not worth it. If you have the opportunity to watch anything else, you should probably do that instead. <laughs> I I will. Right. Oh boy. Uh, okay, um, Matt. I think it's your turn, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, this week I've been watching a whole bunch of X Men movies in preparation for X Men Apocalypse. So speaking of Rose Byrne and Kevin Bacon. Ah. I just finished. Aha! That's a segue. Uh, I just finished watching uh, X Men First Class, uh, probably about half an hour before we started recording. I, do, 
think I love this movie. Yeah. And good. I haven't I haven't seen it since theaters, and I remember souring on it for one reason or another, and I can't remember why I spent a few years like shitting on this thing. But I was wrong. This is good. This is really good. This might be one of the best in the entire series. Uh, yeah, I, I I feel the same way. Um, I think I've wavered between liking this and not liking this, but I think I'm on the liking it now side. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's my favorite, because Matthew Vondor did it, right? Yes, yeah. and uh, now I remember yeah. why I why I pooped on it. Uh, because <laughs> I, retro- I retroactively disliked him because of, uh, he did The Kingsman, right? Yes. Okay, that that's it. That was it. <laughs> that that church sequence in the Kingsman is still pretty damn good, Matt. That's terrible, but okay, go on. Anyway, um, yeah, I I I think this and X Men Two, X Men United, I think they're my favorite X Men movies. But but I also watched that. And, what, what what did you think of X Two? I did not like it as much as I used to. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I loved it, like really loved it when I first saw it. But I think it's uh, it doesn't hold up as well. I mean the the when I was when I was younger when it, that movie came out uh, the whole uh, Iceman basically coming out to his yeah, family yeah. that was really poignant for me back then yeah uh, and now it just watching it I kind of rolled my eyes at the the whole way that whole scene is carried out and written and performed and directed <laughs> and yeah yeah I really rolled my eyes with that and i like the first one a lot more than the second one looking back on it interesting um yeah god i i know i have to talk about all these x-men movies again and also x-men apocalypse which uh i guess to 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 sneakily transition uh james you saw x-men apocalypse right uh yeah yeah i have seen it yeah um yeah, I wanted to do I wanted to do what you did and revisit all the X Men films beforehand, but I didn't give myself any time to do it. <laughs> so I ended up I ended up just watching the first one again, which doesn't really stand up all that well. I guess it's just because it was the first in fifteen mm. years of superhero movies, uh, and so everybody took their cue from that, and it just seems a little timid. Uh, it, does have, it does have that atrocious uh, one liner by Storm. Uh, I. I what They're happens so... to the frog when it gets struck by lightning? Oh, yeah. The same thing as everything else, and then everyone rolls their eyes in the theater, and then they fall out and roll towards the front of the <laughs> uh, Yeah, that, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't great. Um, and, uh, but I, I haven't seen X-Men First Class since it first came out, but I do remember really liking that, and I, yeah, I, I think I, I probably... Yeah, and I think the 60s setting is a really inspired choice, but then yeah. that put them on, it put them on this road to then go... Okay, well we'll do the next one in the seventies, and then we'll yeah. do the next one in the eighties. And so X Men Apocalypse is now set in the early eighties, mm-hmm. which is merely an excuse for them to walk around in lots of Rush and Atari T-shirts <laughs> and right. uh, play Miss Pac-Man pinball machines and stuff like that. <laughs> Looking at you, Quicksilver, and uh, <laughs> I'm I I gotta be honest i don't want to sort of just hate on everything but i did i really didn't like it and i've been quite on board the new uh x-men movies so far i mean first class was great days of future past had good bits in it but i think it just kind of went on a bit and it was stretching the its own continuity somewhat and i think that's the biggest problem here because and it's you've got to largely point the finger at hugh jackman 
because he's kind of like hung on to this character that although you know he's he's not part of apocalypse he it's um it's uh you know it's tied them up in knots in terms of their yeah. continuity uh and you see characters meet each other for the first time here uh that we we've already seen meet before and hmm. because it's because it's not quite a whole new, it's not quite a reboot you know it is still supposedly the same uh same sort of timeline yeah timeline if you like uh but it's all over the place here uh and the you know a big problem of it is unfortunately uh apocalypse the character he's supposed yeah. to be the the mutant to end all mutants uh you know and he can do anything and he can take the powers from any other mutant he wants and you know he should he wakes up after 5000 years and his mission is okay i'm just going to take over the world again you know humans have taken over and we've got to get that back and then he instead of just doing it because he can do anything he spends a lot of time just recruiting like-minded mutants uh including obviously most prominently uh, magneto and you're like yeah. neither of you need each other <laughs> you know an, an alliance does not make sense for either of you you know apocalypse if you want magneto just take his powers and yeah. magneto you know if you if you want you know you don't want apocalypse because you will never be in in charge if apocalypse is there so um they should be at odds with one another rather than uh in alliance and so it doesn't really make sense uh they use quicksilver in a, essentially the exact same way that they used him in Days of Future Past. Nah. You know, he gets he gets his his big grandstanding sequence, and it's good. You know, and it's a lot better than the scenes either side of it. But it's essentially the same gag again. Uh, you know, it's just song again. Uh, I can't remember what the no. song is. It's an '80s song. It might be a Eurythmic song or something like that. I can't remember. It's quite a good choice. I cannot remember what the song was. Huh. Um, it's quite a good song, and the sequence in itself is fine, but after having done it once, you're just like, yeah, you're just doing the Quicksilver thing again. Yeah, and just spit again. Yeah, it's just on a slightly bigger scale, and you're like, okay, fine. Um, more is not necessarily more. Uh, so I just felt it's very long. It's like two and a half hours long, and I felt it never really sort of stepped it up from what we've seen wow. before, and if anything, it kind of diluted what we've seen before, and it just kind of was going through the motions far too much of the time for me. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of found it a slog, to be honest. But um, So I'm so know. excited for Thursday night when yeah. I go see this. Okay, <laughs> I should, cool. I should, I should mention... <laughs> have, I got, have I got you pumped now? Oh, you sure have. <laughs> yeah. I, should, I should mention... But there is... Oh, go ahead, James. Sorry, sorry. I just said there is a, a post-credits thing that if, yeah, you know, heard about... if, if you know X-Men things, then it's more X-Men things. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> They should have titled this movie X-Men, colon, more X-Men things. Um, there you go. Uh, yeah, I, I should mention at the time of this recording, yeah, uh, Apocalypse, X-Men Apocalypse has opened internationally. So so that's how James saw it. Yeah. That's yeah. why James saw it early. And you and I, Matt, we, we have this weekend to look forward to it, right? We... Uh, yeah, um, uh, like, as, yeah, the, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt is at a loss for words. I am. Uh, uh, it, I'm be- sorry. I, I I should just mention, yeah, I was uh, I, I was planning to rewatch some X Men movies earlier this week, and I might still rewatch First Class and maybe X Two because those two are still like my favorites. But oh my god, um, I tell you what, do me a favor, do because rewatch X Men: The Last Stand okay. because because 
I can't decide which is the worst in the oh, series okay. at the moment. Okay. Uh, this has been... <laughs> I have been struggling to to find a good answer for that. And I have yeah. been... Uh, I think I own Last Stand. And oh, I, I do. I don't own um, X-Men... Uh, what's it? Uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine. You don't own that. I was, yeah, I, I was going to buy it, I think, when... No. Because <laughs> I'm just curious, Matt and James. Have I'm, you seen it? Yes, and I just okay. wanted, I wanted to know how bad it really is. It is bad. Uh, mm. Yeah, uh, I have... my, boy, my boyfriend has actually been doing the, the marathon as well, and uh, yeah, he watched Origins last night, and uh, he called me about it, and he said, I, I don't want to <laughs> watch this, but I have OCD, and I need to finish all of them. I'm like, uh, you don't, but okay. Uh, and then just drop like uh, some M&Ms on the floor and say, hey, yeah. those. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, and then he and then he watched uh, Last Stand, and uh, that's definitely a movie that happened in front of him. And and, and that so goes. Which, did, oh, yeah, go which did he prefer? Which did he prefer out of Last Stand and and Origins Wolverine? Last because Stand. Okay, that's, Stand. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah, I I I think that's how I'd go, and I, that just goes into me uh, just not liking a lot of the X Men movies and only liking some. So that's how I that's where I stand with the X Men movies. Um, Maybe look at them like the Star Trek movies, you know, oh, like back but, in the old days with the Star Trek, when it would be like bad, good, bad, good, bad, good yeah. for such a long time. But I, so. I, I have such fond memories of the Star Trek movies. Like Wrath of Khan is one of my favorite movies of all time. So right, and even what was it? The search is it search, search for, for Spock? Search for Spock. I like that good. one. Um, I don't know. I, <laughs> but X Men movies, like even the Wolverine, which a lot of people like really like, I do not like at all. I think it was very boring. Um, okay. Uh, but but yeah. Uh, you 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 mentioned it, James. Like with Days of Future Past, like there's some good bits in it, but yeah. I, I your problems with Apocalypse is what I have with Days of Future Past. It it just maybe it's too long. It it's too much of a retread. It seems like every X-Men movie now ends with, like, Magneto or somebody saying, hey, I'm going to kill everybody, and then just uh, Xavier just saying, no, don't, and then they go, okay, fine. <laughs> it, okay, does, fine. it does just beg the question, you know, what, you know, why does Professor X put up with Magneto's yeah. bullshit over and over and over again? It's just like, oh, Eric, not again. Uh, <laughs> when will you learn? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really like that, and you're just like, come on. And, and it's really a shame that... First class ended on such a high note for me, and I really wish they did not bring back Brian Singer because I, I the blame has to go somewhere. I think he is mm. to blame for this, uh, and this is this is me not uh, not seeing Apocalypse yet, and I'm sure I don't know I'm I'm going to see it, and I know how I'm going to feel, but I just have to see it anyway. <laughs> uh, so that's where we are with X Men. Um, I'm going in with measured expectations. <laughs> I, I I hope um, I hope I enjoy it on some level at least. Can oh, I let, can I ask you something? Now we're now we're on that subject because yeah, yeah I saw X Men Apocalypse last week. It, it opened here last week. Okay. And uh, the same thing happened with Civil War, right? That opened here a week before uh, it did in the states, and a lot of people got really upset about it. I saw a lot of American friends just going, "This is outrageous!" You know, why is that the rest of the world? Why do we have to sit here on our hands for another <laughs> week and wait? You know before we can see Captain America, it's called Captain America, damn it. And and I just wondered where you stand on this sort of evolving global uh, release uh, sort of schedule that the studios are kind of experimenting with, whether it bothers you at all, 
or um, uh, or, or not. Uh, I will say that I was jealous because uh, my brother had sent me a message saying, I've seen Civil War twice already, <laughs> and it wasn't even out here yet. And, yeah, that was fun. But, I mean, I don't know. It, other than that, it really doesn't bother me at all. I yeah. mean, it's, it's a movie. I'm going to see it eventually. I think it bothered me the first time this happened. I can't remember what movie it was. Uh, I'm sure it was a Marvel movie. It may have been the first Avengers. Yeah, I think maybe it was that. Yeah. I think that – I think – I was upset at that. I, I, I was an angry American saying, what's happening? This is an American <laughs> movie. Uh, gimme, gimme, gimme. But through, but with time comes acceptance. And that's, that's <laughs> how I feel. As long as I'm not following anybody on Twitter or following anybody on social media, that ruins it. And I've been pretty good, right. I've been pretty good at that, at following yeah. the right people, following you know, non-pricks. Um, <laughs> I'll just come on your podcast and ruin it. For you. <laughs> no, don't. Oh no. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it uh, it doesn't really bother me. Um, I, I like Matt said, I'm going to see it eventually, and um, I I haven't been spoiled, so yeah, I I I feel fine. It's it it's the state we're in. I mean, I don't want to get fully into like international markets and how. Uh, America isn't where it was in terms of like um, mm. uh, ticket purchasing power, but hey, that's life. Um, I've, I've accepted it, so there you go. Yeah, cool. All right, uh, where to now, Matt? Uh, I my, I'm next. Hey, there you go. Uh, do you want to hear a joke? Sure. Brett Ratner's Red Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I watched Michael Mann's Manhunter uh, the other night. I watched the new Shout Factory, Scream Factory release. Yes. And uh, praise be to Scream Factory. Uh, they did a fantastic job with this this transfer, with this release. Uh, the new artwork is awesome. The reversible cover brings out the uh, original theatrical poster. Uh, you picked this up as well, right? Yes, yes, I did. I I saw your tweet. Uh, I think you just messaged me or something, and you was like, "Ha!" You're like, "Ha ha!" I got it, and I was like, "Oh." Yeah. You're so, like, "Oh man." <laughs> so yeah. So after work today, I went straight to a Best Buy, picked it up, and I'm excited to see it. There's been some controversy about the transfer um, of the director's cut. Yes. Uh, I mean, do you want to get into it, Matt? The director's cut that has always looked like butt. Yeah. And apparently, <laughs> it continues to look like butt. Yeah. They. Uh, Scream Factory, right? That's who released it. Or yeah. Scream yeah. slash Shot Factory. Yeah. They, they, they've been doing their damnedest to get like uh, all these alternate versions with their releases. Because mm-hmm. I think the last one I bought was Army of Darkness, and it came with like three versions of it. Yeah, I, I have that release. Yeah. So super excited to see the director's cut uh, on Blu-ray, because I've never been able to see the see the director's cut. I'm sure it was on DVD, right? Uh, yeah. Matt's, I actually, I have a uh, two disc Anchor Bay release from like. 15 years ago that yeah. has the director's cut on it it's yeah. it's cool it has like will graham's case files and they're all printed out in this little notebook it's it's cool oh wow that's cool yeah so i was excited for this release but then yeah um they they have like the the hd transfer of the, the theatrical the theatrical and they spliced in uh standard definition yeah footage from the from the director's cut which ooh. i mean i've always preferred the theatrical for this film yeah, uh, and, and I was going to ask you because I asked you over Twitter <clears throat> earlier, like because uh, you saw the director's cut. Like, what's what are like the big I saw, differences? I, I don't remember. You don't remember because it's been so long. It was like it's been so long, and but I do remember just preferring the theatrical release. Ah, okay. Well, I'm still excited to see it. 
any way I could see it, I'm I'm appreciative of. And they they do have the entire director's cut in standard definition on on that release. So mm-hmm. uh, if people are bothered by you know HD footage, then SD footage that jump, then you'll have the the standard. It's a little weird. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm still excited to see it. I'm still excited to to jump into this the bonus features because they're always outstanding. Uh, I ask you, James, like, uh, what do you think of Manhunter and Michael Mann? How about that? And didn't you also pick up this? I did. I, yeah. I got this yesterday as well. So uh, ah. I'm very excited. Yay, the trifecta. <laughs> um, so I obviously haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it yet, and I don't know how this happened, but I don't. I was unaware that there was a director's cut. Um, so I don't know if I've seen it or not. I, you know, I saw this uh, not when it first came out, but um, I remember when. Silence of the Lambs came out, yeah. and some of oh, that's obviously still when I was back in England. And some of the critics there, like Kim Newman, who's a very prominent mm. uh, horror horror critic in the UK, who I used to read a lot, was very sniffy about the Silence of the Lambs. Oh wow! Um, yeah, yeah, right. And it was it was a you know a contrary voice at the time, obviously. Uh, but he was like, oh, he you know Anthony Hopkins is no Brian Cox, and. So I sort of looked into this and dug up the film. And at the time, I I liked the story very much. And I think the summer that Science of the Lambs came out, I read the book of Science of the Lambs, and then I read Red Dragon as well. And I thought, yeah. okay, well, this is actually it's a it's a, arguably a much better book, a much better story. I think. Yeah. It's really really cool, and it goes a lot more. Obviously, obviously, there's a lot more in the book than is in the film. It goes more into which actually, in its defence, uh, Brett Ratner's Red Dragon does explore some of it a lot more about the the history of the Dollarhide character and, yeah, and it also it also does follow mother. the book a little more yeah yeah but it's i mean it's a terrible movie but yeah um, it's not that good um you know and i just felt when the first time i watched manhunter i don't think i was quite ready for just how 80s it was and uh you're fresh off the back of science of the lambs it was uh i i, I loved the story but i was like okay this is stylistically a little challenging for me in a way that I wasn't really ready to deal with, but I've I've gone back to it again and again and again over the years, and I I love it now, and uh, big Michael Mann fan. Uh, so Same. yeah, sorry, yeah. So I I picked this up yeah yesterday, and uh, yeah, very keen to look at the director's cut and see what was different. I I yeah, like I said, didn't didn't even know there was one, so very keen to see what they changed. I hear it is inferior, just as a movie as well as yeah. the the transfer, but um. Yeah, likewise, big fan of Scream Factory and Shout Factory, and so uh, can't wait to delve into that. Great bonus features on this too. The, awesome. There's a new there's a new interview with uh, Dante Spinotti, and it's awesome to just hear him uh, wax poetic about Michael Mann's uh, eye for detail. It's really something else. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I can't Excellent. wait to dive into that. Uh, I I should also plug. Uh, myself and say, um, Matt, you may remember you, you may remember this. Uh, uh, we did a Manhunter, Red Dragon, Hannibal TV show episode on the Talk from Society podcast long ago, episode thirty nine. I just looked it up. So um, not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was last year, so it was a few months ago. Um, it was a while ago, yeah. So yeah, I. I uh, uh, I, I I love that book, that Red Dragon book. I love Manhunter the movie. I love Hannibal the 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 TV show. Um, Brett Randall's Red Dragon. No. <laughs> I, I I will defend that movie if only for Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, the the cast is excellent. I love the yeah. cast. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. 
But yeah, some of the things it does, I don't want to get fully into it. But if that, only they had a better director. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to blame him because that's an easy target right there. He's he's so easy to blame. For <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I burnt my toast this morning. God damn it, Brett Ratner. Damn like... Brett Ratner. Unless um, lest we forget X Men Last Stand as well. That's right. Your callback. There uh, you go. Son of a yeah. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, but yeah, I. I like like everybody here, I'm excited about this release. I'm, I, the more releases like this, the better we all are as a society. Hey, uh, Scream Factory does the Lord's work. Yes. I remember I was super pumped that when they announced this, I was like, yes, yes, I finally. mean, please, please, they put Death Becomes Her on Blu-ray. They get a yeah. free pass forever. There you go. Mm. Yeah. And also previously mentioned last week, uh, was it Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2? Yeah, I got to <laughs> oh, pick yeah. up that release. Yeah, me too. That is um, nuts, that movie. Oh, That's God, so yes. crazy. So bad. We talked uh, about that last be, week. Could not be more different to the first one. Yeah, <laughs> it's so bad, but it's so good. I that that ending is stuck in my mind since I was a child. <laughs> since I saw it on cable, uh, the the dancing of the chainsaws. Of course. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, okay, uh, folks, uh, we're we're approaching the end. Why don't we do like a speed round or something? Like get, sure. Get, uh, get through these okay. last ones. All right. Um, so, Marcelo. So okay, speed round. Go. Men, women, and children. Uh, um, that's a movie. What happened to you, uh, uh, son of Reitman? <laughs> uh, what if What if I told you he was never good? No, oh, come on. Okay, uh, fine. Thank you for smoking is good. But what uh, if I told you everything other than that was never good? No, I liked Up in the Air. Come on. Oh, yeah, he did that. Exactly. Mm. Uh, that's Ju- fine. Juno is fine. I like Juno. I can't stand that much. Oh, Juno is pretty good. <laughs> Uh, young adult is okay, uh, but oh god, I don't know. This is a really bad movie. Um, I don't. This is the Adam Sandler thing, right? Yes. Where I... the parents don't understand technology because they're old. Parents just don't understand. That you know, only nineties <laughs> kids remember. You know that, right? Um, it, this movie starts in space. What? And, yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Uh, wait, wait, uh, Matt, you haven't seen it, obviously, right? No, and I probably never will, but space? Yeah, uh, uh, James, have, have, have you seen this? Uh, I don't think so. It's not ringing any bells. Yeah, because, yeah, it. Uh, I'm sure you'd remember this. Because, yes, it starts in space. Uh, Emma Thompson is the narrator, and it just gets crazier from there. Um, it, it delves into these lives of these kids and these adults who deal with, like, social media and, and relationships. And it's, oh... It's just irritating <laughs> at times. So I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It it it's it puts itself out there as being like a real like a almost real life look at what's happening behind the scenes of like these people's lives and and oh. I'm like, what kind of people are these people? Like these aren't functional human beings. There's something else. There's just something wrong with these people that no other human should be experiencing. Like, no other human is like this. So it's it was eye opening at how bad it was, <laughs> and that's my only recommendation. If you want to, if you want, if you really want to see a bad movie, um, <laughs> see see this. And I have to give some of the cast some credit because Dean Norris is in it. I love Dean Norris, and I want to see more of Dean Norris in in movies, in good movies. Judy Greer is in this movie for God's sakes. Jennifer Garner, like this cast, is pretty damn good. Um, they do their best with this terrible material. Even Adam Sandler shines just a bit. Wow. Yeah, just, just a tiny bit. I mean, 
I, I, I really do like him when he tries. I, I really like Funny People. Funny People is actually pretty good. And I think yeah. he's good in it. Um, so he, oh God, there's a moment in there where I'm like, oh, Adam Sandler, you are capable of doing great things, but this is not a great thing you're yeah, doing. Like, why why won't you? Yeah, <laughs> come on. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. It, even J.K. Simmons makes an appearance, and in that slight appearance is is wonderful. But yeah. this this movie is not good. It is not good. Okay, so that's Men, Women, and Children. Um, uh, again, if you want to see a really bad movie see that that's my only recommendation <laughs> just how bad a movie can get uh matt why don't you go next all right real quick i yeah. watched francis ford coppola's uh dracula and it's still my favorite dracula movie and i love everything about it it's uh yeah the, the effects in this are fantastic everything is done practical and in camera uh the performances other than you know hey keanu but hey he tried uh Everything, all the other performances are great. Gary Oldman's a, a great Count Dracula. Uh, yeah, I really like this one. There you go. Oh, uh, one. I have one question. Uh, did you watch like the new transfer of it? I did. I did. Yeah, I'm, I, I kind of want to see that. Yeah. And it's a vast improvement on the uh, previous Blu-ray. So. Oh, definitely, great. Definitely check that out. It doesn't look like. Uh, it doesn't look terrible anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, Yay. And the in-camera effects really pop on the new transfer, which I love. Uh, a lot of a lot of old school tricks that Coppola used, which you don't really you don't get those anymore. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, hey, James, why don't you go next? Okay, um, I watched "Only Angels Have Wings" by Howard Hawks, which recently okay. got a Criterion release. This was a blind buy, just because I'm stupid and spend lots of money on stuff I don't even know if I'm going <laughs> to like or not. But it <laughs> I do was that uh, in this case, I was. Uh, fortunate because it's great it's a 1939 film it's set around that time in a sort of vaguely generic south american port town where gene arthur's character gets off the boat and she's supposed to only be there overnight she is a pianist like a performer a musician and obviously due to bad weather and due to the undeniable charisma of Cary Grant she decides to stay for a few extra days now Cary Grant runs this sort of aerial mail service where he's got this fleet of very small planes who fly between these treacherous mountain ranges delivering the mail to the region and so he's recruited all these like daredevil pilots to do it and you know it gets hairy and people die you know planes crash and bad you know and bad weather causes all kinds of horrible stuff but so it's, it's kind of an examination of the kind of men who do this kind of job. Uh, it reminded me of um, the Douglas Sirk film, The Tarnished Angels, which uh, if you've seen that, I mean, it's an incredibly different setting, but it's again about sort of former war pilots, if you like, sort of Air Force pilots who during peacetime are at a loss with what to do. Uh, but they're so highly strung that they need to do something very high risk. And so uh, there they're doing like... Um, like one of those road shows, you know, aerial road shows. But here, okay. you know, that here it's a very exotic setting, and uh, you get a good feel for the place. And then you got a very young uh, pre-gilder uh, Rita Rita Hayworth as Cary Grant's like former flame, who's now married this pilot who everybody thinks is a coward. But guess what? It's going to turn out he might not be. Uh, and it was this really cool kind of melodrama adventure. Uh, romance and I was I will be watching it 
revisiting it time and again. And, I, and it, it was very much uh, praised at the time for its visual effects because it does a really good job of matching real footage of planes with uh, model work for like oh, wow. these sort of, uh, you know, so big crash sequences and you know flying between the mountains and what have you and uh, yeah I was really really impressed and considering it it's, it was made in 1939 uh, it uh, it does a a great job so it's even it's a couple of years before Casablanca and some of the plot elements are kind of a bit similar yeah to uh, to Casablanca in in the sort of the romantic setting of it but uh it it was great you know I, I I cannot recommend it enough, and it's now widely available thanks to Criterion. And so. plus, it has Cary Grant, so it has Cary Grant, and not being so old, he's creepy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there you go. He's actually kind of only about sort of in his thirties, maybe. So okay, wow. Yeah, he's of age, and Jean Arthur is another one. She used to play love interests when she was way too old yeah. to be the love interest, but uh, she's actually of age, of the right appropriate age as well. But you know. Young young Rita Hayworth goes a long way. So yeah, uh, go. I'll go next. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, on James's recommendation uh, last week, I talked about the movie I watched called Top Gun. Uh, oh yeah. Which was awesome. So then I watched another Tom Cruise movie this week. I watched Sidney Pollock's The Firm. Ooh. And I've never seen a more jazzy thriller than this movie because the entire film is scored with jazz piano, which I was not expecting. Uh. This also might be the first time that Tom Cruise displayed his running ability, mm. uh, because you know he runs in everything now, and yeah, he runs in this one too, and I think it's the first time uh, that he did that. Uh, the great supporting cast. I mean, Wilford Brimley actually does like an action scene, and I didn't think he could do that, uh, which was interesting. Uh, yeah, loved it. It was really really cool. Sure, it could be trimmed by like you know twenty minutes or so. It drags on a bit at the end, but. Hey, it's good. And Gene Hackman is amazing, as always. Oh, God. Mm. I, I really needed to see this, because I've heard so many great things over the years, and it's just one like I haven't like gone around to. So Yeah, it's good. Uh, I highly recommend it. Yeah. yeah, I remember it was a really big deal at the time. Obviously, the book was really big. But I remember um, fans of the book got upset because they changed the ending. Uh, and, oh, okay. I'm actually... And I also remember... Of, I'm actually going to be reading the book soon, so... <laughs> ah, yes. It's quite different. And but only at the end. Okay. But, and also, I remember, I remember Gene Hackman got pissed because uh, in Tom Cruise's contract, he's the only name above the credit, above the yeah. title. And Gene Hackman resented that, and so I think Gene Hackman actually pulled his name off the opening credits. He oh, did. Wow. He did. So he's he is uncredited, but he's like second lead. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Well, and he's great mm. in it. So. That oh helps. yeah, he's great. Yeah. And it made a ton of money. It was yeah. it was very very popular at the time. I should also say I saw a few episodes of the TV show The Firm that was on for like a, the blink of an eye on NBC. Oh, that a few was years a ago. thing. Yeah, um, which is kind of sad because <laughs> I think I saw maybe like five episodes of that, and I had not seen I have not seen the the the, uh, the movie yet. So. Oh, <laughs> and it's a uh, sequel, right? No, I I think it's like a like a like a remake, a redo of the story. Huh. Because I think they're like okay, I've seen parts of the firm, the movie on on TV on cable because what TNT yeah. plays it all the time. I think so, yeah. So uh, I know like on the show they re they recreate some of some of those scenes. Um, yeah, so hmm. it's it was an odd show. It was it was entertaining though. Um, that was back when NBC had had dramas that were 
like trying to accomplish something. Back when they had TV shows. <laughs> yeah, back when they had TV shows. Back when it wasn't like what what is it now? Like Chicago, uh, the Chicago whatever. Network. The Chicago Network. <laughs> Nothing but Chicago. Uh, um, okay. And all that jazz. And all uh, sure. What did you? Uh, who's next? Well, I I think I'm out of movies. So James, do you have any more? Uh, yeah, I can I can keep going. Uh, I, have, I have I... one last one after this. Yeah. So so we'll do one each from both of you. Sure. Okay. Sounds good. Alright, uh, a movie I watched last night, in fact, is a Japanese Yakuza sleazy pink movie, I guess you would call it, called Retaliation from okay. Yasuharu Hasebi. Uh, it was released by Arrow, uh, I think in the US as well as the UK last year. I think it was one of those that they have all the rights for. And it is essentially the, uh, you know, a Yakuza story. A guy comes out of prison to find that his gang has essentially been dissolved and usurped by bigger gangs. So he's pressured into joining sort of the rival gang, if you like, and sent to a nearby city, uh, which is under, which is going through a turf war because there's a uh, big factory boom there. So the city is kind of, it's a, it's a new city. It's kind of coming up out of nowhere because of the factory work that's going on and so there's a big turf war going on between gangs looking to take it over and buy up all the available land and so he's sent over there me and his the guy sort of sent to be his partner if you like is joe shishido very famous japanese actor from the period who has the the weird cheeks he had the cheek implants yeah he's okay. in branded branded to kill and stuff like that he's a very very recognizable guy because he's got fake cheeks <laughs> that's the weirdest thing yeah he just wanted to apparently the story goes that he just felt that he was a bit boring looking and he wanted to stand out <laughs> from his other co-stars so he wanted to have cheek implants and they didn't quite go right but he never admitted it and he just kept them and all right <laughs> yeah well it worked you know everybody knows he's the guy with the cheeks now so um, uh so yeah he uh and so he's he is kind of sent along as his partner, but he wants to kill the main dude, uh, who's played by Akira Kobayashi, who is in a lot of the Battles Without Honor and Humanity movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to kill him because the reason Akira went to prison in the first place was because he murdered Joshishido's brother. Uh, so he makes no bones about it. The opening scene is uh, Joshishido's waiting for him outside prison and he's, and he, with a knife, and he's like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, okay, hang on, uh, we've got work to do first. And then it turns out they have to kind of partner up. Uh, but the whole time he's like, I- I'm going to kill you. You know, after we've done this, I'm going to kill you. So it's, it's kind Just of so weird you know. dynamic going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of played, I guess, for laughs. And it's kind of pretty cool. I mean, it might, who knows, it might play well alongside something like The Nice Guys with this very odd huh. sort of uh, buddy buddy dynamic going on. Uh, there's also a very young uh, Mako Kaji in it who was Lady Snowblood and female, oh, female prisoner Scorpion. Nice. Yeah, and it's just the same director who did the last Female Prisoner Scorpion movie with her and uh, then did all the, um, uh, what are they called, Stray Cat Rock films. Okay. Like Stray Cat Rock Sex Hunter is the most famous one. I Um, I love that title. (laughs) It's great. It's great. Arrow also brought out a box set of all five Stray Cat Rock films, and they're like uh, girl biker gang movies from... uh, the early 70s. I mean, as is the way with these Japanese movies, they make like five sequels within the space of about two years. Yeah. So they're all made in like 1971, 72. Um, so th- this one's really good. It's probably on the sleazier side of the Yakuza films of that time. So there's a lot of 
quite uncomfortable kind of rape scenes in it and things like that where you're like, okay, I don't need this. But if you look where the director went with his career, that was obviously what he was interested in yeah. rather than rather than the Yakuza stuff so much. He just went straight into what's called violent pink films. Um, yeah, which is not to everybody's tastes. But if you, you know, I, to be honest, I come to the, watch this kind of sleazy 60s, 70s Japanese stuff because it's a bit sleazy and a bit weird and a bit out yeah. there. So uh, I was prepared. But even for me, it was a bit a bit much, I guess, because I thought it was going to be more of a Yakuza movie, uh, which it is. But it's just, yeah, littered with rape. No. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And then obviously when they have the big gang fights at the end, that all gets very splattertastic. And it's uh, so it's it, it's a good example of that. If if that's what you're looking for. All right. Uh, well, the last movie I have to talk about is I watch Godzilla vs. Hedera, or Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, as it's known everywhere else. Uh, this was the first Godzilla movie I remember seeing when I was a kid, and it's still my favorite because it is one of the weirdest Godzilla movies ever made. I mean, there's a uh, acid jazz number. There's a whole bunch of animated sequences that are like elementary school uh, PowerPoints. Where you learn about, you learn things in this movie about, you know, pollution, and uh, it's very hippy dippy, and it's a lot of fun. There's a musical number, uh, Godzilla flies in this one. Uh, yeah, it's Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, and if you've ever wanted to see a really bonkers Godzilla movie, even for Godzilla movies, uh, definitely check this one out. Uh, there's a Blu-ray out by Kraken Releasing, and it's the, the transfer's really good. The audio's good for both the Japanese and the English tracks. Uh, yeah, definitely check out this Godzilla movie because it's a whole lot of fun. Anyone? Any, are either of you seen this one? I have not, no. I don't think I've seen this one, no. But, uh, you know, I've seen a few of those and I, I like them. You know there's a new Japanese Godzilla film coming out this summer? Yes, I saw the yeah. trailer. Called Godzilla Resurgence. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. <laughs> and I think it'll probably get a probably get a U.S. release. It's coming to Hong Kong in uh, August. Opens wow. in Japan, end of July. You may end up getting a day and date release. You never know. So uh, nice. keep your eyes out for that. That could be fun. Yeah. And right. that's done by one of the guys who did uh, Attack on Titan, those two films that came out quite recently about giant oh, okay. zombies. Ah. Yeah, the giant zombies that eat the people in yeah, the walls. Yeah, that, that one. Or whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's it. <laughs> All right. I end with that. We've reached the end of the episode. I think we have. Oh, my God. James, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. This was so much fun. Yeah, I had a blast, <clears throat> except for that part where, you know, I went away for a little bit. But, hey, I had a blast. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, Matt, that didn't happen because the fine folks did not even notice that happened. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a peek behind the curtain. Okay, so plugs. Uh, yes. James, James, tell us where the people can find you online. Okay, I think the easiest uh, way to find me online is through Twitter. My Twitter account is at Marshy, M-A-R-S-H-Y, zero, zero. And I kind of pump everything through there. So you can find the rest of my reviews and writings and uh, radio appearances and what have you via the links through there. Fantastic. Hey, Matt, what about you? Where can they find you online? Well, as always, you can find me on Twitter at TheRealMattC. Uh, you can also find me under the same name over on Letterboxd, uh, so you can see that I'm not lying about what movies I've been watching. 
You can also find me on Facebook uh, over at facebook.com slash groups slash pixels and reels. It's a fun little uh, film and pop culture discussion group uh, that I founded, and we have a lot of fun over there. Fantastic. And as for me, follow me on Twitter at Marcelo J. Pico for classy Jessica Chastain photos. Uh, also, listen to all of our podcasts on the Talk Film Society podcast network. Again, hey, James, thanks. No, not at all. Thank you very much. I had a, an absolute blast doing this. Uh, hope to talk to you again very soon. Yeah, yeah. that would be awesome. Absolutely. Uh, Matt, our, our catchphrase to close the show. Uh, hey, folks. I don't, I don't remember it. <laughs> I don't either. It, <laughs> hey, folks. Uh, thanks for listening and keep on watching. Bye. I'm doing 500. I'm out of control. But there's nowhere to go. And there's nowhere to slow. If I knew what I knew in the past, I would have been back out of your ass.